Joey Miller podcast. I am so happy that you are tuning in today, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're watching on our podcast platform. I am so happy to have you and I'm happy to have a special guest today, Jeannie Geil. She has her master's in psychology and she is a grief recovery specialist. So we're going to be opening up a great conversation today about the topic of dealing with grief, grief and really restoration to our soul. And, and, and we see that God creates us. We're a spirit built being housed in a body and we have a mind, a will, and emotions. And that's how God created us. Uh, and a lot of times in the realm of Christianity, we address the spirit a lot, uh, but we neglect understanding uh, the soul realm and how that has to, to do with our wholeness and how God created us to be whole in every area of our lives. I think about even in 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And so God's uh, desire for us is to be whole in every area of our lives and, and not neglecting the area of our soul. And um, a lot of times in life, we, we power through things uh, spiritually. We know the right verses to say. Uh, we say, you know, uh, we're, we're just going to get through this. But, but sometimes our soul has to catch up uh, to the work of the Spirit that God's already provided for us, but we have to give our soul that space. And, uh, you know, uh, so I want to address today uh, what that looks like, especially in the, in the avenue of grief, uh, the avenue of loss, because uh, I feel like the past few years in general, the world has experienced some sort of disruption, which has caused a hit to our souls. So let's open up and let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the realm of the soul versus the spirit. So I'd love to hear your input on that, Jeannie. Well, the word psyche is a Greek word that is all-encompassing, the mind, the soul, the spirit wow. in the body. And um, to separate them out is difficult to do, if not impossible. Our soul, our mind, and our spirit are impacted on a daily basis from everything that we experience, both positive um, as well as negative. And the human soul, mind, and spirit experience a whole range of emotion when we experience the, both the pleasant and the unpleasant um, events in life. We can, for example, we can sense something in our spirit. We can have thoughts about that sense. We can make decisions based on what we sense in our spirit, and it can have a direct impact on us physically, as well as in the very depths of our soul. So when we experience grief, when we experience a significant emotional loss, uh, we need to heal the body, the mind, and the soul. I love this. This is so intriguing because you can't separate them really. It, you it impacts. Can't. And, and just to, to describe that, grief isn't being categorized just as death, even though that is part of it. Right. Uh, any trauma, right. any, anything could cause the grief, correct? Right. So. right. There are so many losses that we can experience, and I'll address those a little bit later, but you know, something 
that we don't really pay a whole lot of attention to that's affected our psyche, soul, mind, spirit, body, is the loss of a career, mm -hmm. you know, the death of a pet. Now, and I'll say more about that um, a little bit down later. But loss is not um, mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is something that every single person experiences in their walk in this life. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no getting around it. No. There's no getting around and it. And when you try to just bury it and not deal with it, you know, a, a lot oh of times, my gosh. especially in the church world, I feel like, um, you know, obviously God provides a way for us to heal. Obviously we have victory in Jesus. But, but if we don't allow that restoration of our mm. soul, I love even Psalm 23. He talks about the good shepherd and he says, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my, my soul. soul. And that wholeness, and it actually means uh, bringing it to life again, you know. And, mm -hmm. and um, so it's not something that we can just go through and ignore, uh, mm -hmm. but we have to really learn to allow that space in order to thrive and be whole. So. Mm -hmm. We do. And, you know, as Christians, we look to the hope of glory. We look toward, you know, everlasting life where there's no more fear, there's no more sadness, there's no more sorrow. And that gives us a sense of hope. But the reality is, is that grief is a normal and natural response to significant emotional loss. Every single person who experiences a loss is going to feel it. There's gonna be a disruption to every familiar pattern in their day-to-day -day living. Um, like I said uh, earlier, my friend who couldn't, couldn't get her hands and feet warm after her husband died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. Wonderful pastor of a large church and did a Wednesday night service. Walked down off of the platform, collapsed and died suddenly. Mm. And she could not get her hands and feet warm, which was you know, a, a clear indication that her body had been racked. Yes by the sudden loss yeah, of her trauma. beloved husband. I remember right. uh, my father had a massive heart attack in our front yard and on my way driving from my house to, to his house, I've shared this before, I was like, my body was trying to escape the situation, like I'm wanting to black out. Even though my spirit, I was praying in the spirit, uh, obviously mm -hmm. my soul, I was going through emotional trauma mm -hmm. and my body was trying to exit. Like, I'm just not even dealing with this. I just want to pass out, you know. So, right. But let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about during loss. Uh, we talked about 2020 was a huge, I feel like, uh, and we've, I did a podcast on this, uh, just a, a whole loss in general. Everyone's day-to-day -day routines were shaken up. Mm -hmm. uh, life was just different worldwide. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from that to people losing jobs, to losing family members, uh, to whatever that looks like, e even a move across the country or to right. a different location can be traumatic or have a sense of grief or loss attached to it. So let's talk about this for a second. What happens in that soulish realm when we're experiencing loss or grief? Well, whether we experience the loss as a result of sudden death or as a result of having dealt with a long-term illness, um, we are caught off guard. When there is nothing that we can do, 
nothing that we can say that's going to prepare the psyche, the mind, the soul, the spirit, and the body for the, 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 the realm of human emotion that we're going to go through. It runs the whole spectrum of emotion from person to person. When we grieve, we grieve in our heart and it feels as if it's breaking. Mm. Again, normal and natural response to, to human loss is, is what grief is. There's also no prioritized order to, to grieving. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes people will talk about the stages of grief. There are no stages of grief. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with the stages of terminal illness and our society and psychologists and even professionals grabbed a hold of those and decided that when somebody is grieving, they go through those stages. When we pigeonhole ourselves into a stage, we are basically running. I'm gonna say more about that in a minute, but we are running from the reality that our hearts are broken. Wow. We don't have a broken head. We have a broken heart mm -hmm. when we're grieving. But most of the time, what we're, what we're given is intellectual information to help us to deal with the, the broken heart. Mm -hmm. You know, if you got up or I got up and, and you or I fell down and we broke our foot, one of us would call 911. There would be an immediate response. There would be someone here who would take care of us. But what do you do when you have a broken heart? Mm. There is no 911 for that. And so there's no order, no rhyme, no reason, no stage that we can plug ourselves into that's really going to help. We're not in denial. When somebody dies, we pick up the phone, we call the funeral director, we call the coroner, we call, you know, my, my brother died, my husband died, my sister died, my, we immediately, it, we immediately know that we need to do something because someone has died. Mm -hmm. We use euphemisms to avoid the reality of a broken heart. Mm -hmm. They've passed on, you know, they've crossed the threshold, they've gone to glory. Granted, they've gone to glory, but the pain that we experience mm -hmm. in our hearts is not because they've gone on to glory, it's because they're physically not here mm -hmm. anymore. So good, yeah. They're not going to be, you know, sitting in, in church with us. They're not going to be sitting at the Christmas dinner table, the Thanksgiving table. They're not going to come and, and visit. They're, they're not going to bring their sense of humor, mm -hmm. you know, and brevity to, to, to life experience. We, they are gone physically, and our lives have been changed forever mm -hmm. as, the re <clears throat> excuse me, as the result of it. So the mind, the body, the spirit, the soul is impacted and changed forever mm. when we experience a significant emotional loss. And almost anything can trigger a memory of them. Mm. You know, like I said, the uh, empty chair at the, at the, the Thanksgiving dinner table, um, the flower and, and a song on iTunes. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a dream of your loved one and wake up and wonder why you feel like you can't get out of bed. You don't remember the dream, mm -hmm. but in our psyche, the, the, the brain, like you mentioned earlier, the, the brain is like so incredibly complex that 
it's constantly running in the background for the griever. We're trying to make sense mm -hmm. out of what it is that we're experiencing. And the reality is you can't make sense out of it no. because you don't have a broken head. You have a broken heart. I love that. I love that. And it's so different because, like you said, if you have a physical pain, you can deal with it, you know, go, go get help, whatever it is. And then, you know, in our mind, but, but time is the only thing that really... Uh, heals our broken heart and the Lord and actually leaning into that and uh, talk to me one second because we talked about loss and grief as in death but what about broken relationships divorce uh, uh, a relationship that you uh, maybe you had to cut a friendship out of your life or, or whatever uh, how does that affect in, in uh, grief as well well it we have a tendency to categorize grievers and Everything that I've learned and everything that I've experienced over the last three years of 30 years of working with grievers is that the feelings that they experience are all the same. Mm -hmm. They're associated with different losses. I can remember when I first was working on my master's degree, learning that, you know, people who experience the, the sudden death of a child as a result of a miscarriage need to be put in one group so that they all have this common experience. Or someone who has lost uh, their, their husband, they need to be in another category. But the reality is, based on everything that I've said so far, grievers should not be separated because their experiences of this trauma that has happened to them, the impact of every familiar pattern in their life being changed are the same. They're just not the same time in the same way about the same thing. Mm. So when people get together for uh, like grief recovery groups, the, the losses are across the board. You know, loss of a job, loss of a home, all the people on the West Coast who lost their homes in all of those fires last year and the year before. Every single precious memory of theirs was, was disintegrated mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to completely decompose. And people who experience the loss of a career, we have doctors and nurses who, are, who have studied their entire you know, adult lives to become doctors and nurses and because they've taken a stand in the pandemic, they've lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. They're, so talk about significant loss, mm -hmm. but the feelings are the same. Mm -hmm. Somebody who goes through a divorce, um, your world is racked. You have, you have committed to, to someone, you've created a life together and something went seriously, seriously wrong and it begins to crumble. Mm -hmm. Talk about cold hands and cold feet and aching heart and headaches and the sadness is, is overwhelming and the triggers that bring, mm -hmm. you see another couple holding hands and you're, you're devastated in, in the face of that. Mm -hmm. So significant loss is not just the death of a loved one. It, it, is, it is across the board. And let's talk about even uh, seasons. I know women who, you know, once their kids are grown, they almost are grieving right. that, that season of their lives. Right. You know? uh, so speak to that for a second. We call that the empty nest syndrome, mm -hmm. where everything that you have done for 20 plus years for your children 
You, your mind is constantly on, I've got to pack lunches, I've got to, you know, I've got, is there gas in the car? Do you have your license? Do you, before you leave the house, do, are, you, um, are you well? You take care of them when they're sick. You take care of them when they're, when they're struggling with broken relationship. You're, you're, you're there for them when they're grieving. And then all of a sudden, they fly the coop and they're on their own. Now talk about every single pattern in your life being changed because now you have to redefine yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not the mom who's constantly thinking about, okay, what are you gonna wear tomorrow? Where are your shoes? Where's your books? Where's your backpack? Do you have everything signed? Did you need me to do anything before you head off to school? You, they get on the bus and you're, you know, your whole morning is is consumed with yeah. the fact that they left the house without something. Right. Now you're in your car, you're running to school. That has been your life mm -hmm. for at least two decades, if not more. So now you and your husband can be looking at each other and wondering, so hi, honey, how, how are you? You yeah. know, who are we now? Yeah. You know, we're not the, the parents who are consumed with the love and the care and the dedication and the devotion to our children you need to redefine your marriage mm. in a lot of cases, especially with people who have partnered in raising children and didn't really allow themselves the times to mm. get away, to, to nurture their relationship yeah. and, and, to, um, and, and to, to foster the, the longevity of a marriage. It's, yeah. it's unprecedented yeah. the number of marriages that fall apart after all of the children leave the home because yeah. it's easier to leave the marriage than it is to redefine yourself. Oh, wow, yeah, and deal with like confronting those issues. Is, right. Yeah, wow. Well, let's talk about uh, really uh, crossing over to acknowledging, you know, uh, some people just need to acknowledge that what I'm going through is a sense of loss. There's a process involved with that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously I am big on not giving uh, grief in uh, an improper amount of time to stay in your life. So we need to address it, but mm -hmm. but not let it overstay its, its time, like not stay in that place of mourning. David, at one point when mm -hmm. he lost his child uh, in the Bible, he got up and there was a, he grieved and then he washed his face and he went to the temple. So that moving on process, that healing process in our lives, uh, when the Lord says in Psalm 23 that he wants to restore our soul, what does that look like, and, and what are some practical things that we can do in that healing process uh, that we do become whole, that we don't, we don't let ourselves become identified by that loss or let that, that, that sense of loss uh, become uh, you know, uh, something that, that keeps us in a space that's not healthy for us in our lives? Well, number one, it's really important to, first of all, acknowledge that you're grieving because... Working that through is what's going to get you on the other side of the grief process. The most off-limits topic of conversation in the Western-speaking world is grief. Mm. Some people say it's death, but if you or I were to go on social media or go in the newspaper today, we would probably find a minimum of five articles um, or announcements, proclamations about someone who has died. Um, so it's not it's not death. Some people say we don't talk enough about feelings, but yet on any given day, we'll hear people say, I feel sad, I feel scared, I feel anxious, I feel worried, I feel this, I feel that. So feelings are not something that you know we don't talk about. It's grief. Mm. 
that we don't talk about. And in answer to your question, one of the things that absolutely has to happen is we need to get complete with the loss. Mm. A lot of times we hear about closure. When I need to get some closure. I need to get some closure. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is no such thing when it comes to significant loss. There's no closure. That's like, you know, when you, when you place a person in a casket and you put them in the ground, somehow you never think about them again. Yeah. You don't remember them. Or you put them, you, they're cremated and you put them in an urn. The reality is we need to get complete with them. Wow. And how do you get complete with someone who has died? How do you get complete with a career? How do you get, you know, complete with the loss of your home or like you mentioned earlier, move, you know, you, we, we, we replace the lost little kids do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Daddy has a new job, you know, we're gonna move to Michigan. And the next thing you know, the kid is like, but what about my friends? Mm -hmm. What about my school? What about my teachers? What about this? You know, oh, you'll make new friends. So they go to the new school and they're trying to replace the loss, but their best friend of 10 years is a thousand miles away. Oh, we'll go visit them. How many times do we go visit? Do we take them to go and visit? So we think we can replace the loss. Um, so how do you get complete? The ideal is to be able to get complete before the person has died. But what if you don't have that opportunity? There are three categories that have been identified by John James and, and Russell Friedman in the Grief Recovery Handbook. Anything, any unfinished business that you could possibly have with someone who has died is gonna fall into three categories. Number one, how, I mean, how often do we hear, I just, I wish that I could have said goodbye. Mm -hmm or I wish I could have said, I love you one more time, you know. Those three categories are, number one, all of the things that you're thankful for, all of the things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. For example, thank you for your wonderful sense of humor. I don't know if I ever told you how much your sense of humor lifted the weight off of the family or mm -hmm. off of my life. You know, thank you for always being there with a willing hand to, to just jump in and help. Thank you for watching my children. Thank you for, you know, for the meals that you, thank you for teaching me to cook. Thank you for, and, and all of those unfinished, significant emotional communications are going to be different from person to person. I love that. They're and not just, all going to be the same. No, and I just saw on social media, someone said, why do we hold all of these things until funerals? We should be celebrating I saw that too. birthdays or whatever, just letting you know that emotion go and, right. and appreciating. Right. And that, you know, th that's one thing that I have made a point to make sure that we know in our family, you are loved. Mm -hmm. You know, I just sent a text to my family and, and just said, you know, will you all be my Valentine? You know, and they're all responding, you know, I love you and I love you too and I appreciate this and I appreciate that. When you do that and the person dies, you win. Mm. You're not sitting back full of regret yeah. that you didn't say those things. Wow. The second category is things that you need to apologize for. Mm. 
you know, I'm so sorry that I wasn't there for you when you needed me. I'm so sorry that, you know, I did not um, make the time or, or take the opportunities to pour into your life more than I did. Um, I'm sorry for the times that I was short-tempered with you. Mm -hmm. Those are just examples of, that could probably apply to, to most people. Mm -hmm. And we have to get those things out. We have to get them on the table. You know, there's a saying, you know, does a tree fall in the woods and make a noise if nobody is there to hear it? Mm -hmm. One of the things we need to do is to be able to connect with another human being. A lot of times we just want to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have people who will tell us in the face of a, of a significant emotional loss, you've got to be strong for your children. You know, you've got to take care of funeral arrangements. You've got to take care of, you know, your loved one's uh, finances and the details of their life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and the next thing you know, you're walking around with cold hands and cold feet mm -hmm. and you can't get warm because you're, we're not allowing ourselves to go through the motions that we need to go through in order to heal. That's so good. You know, and we do internalize things a lot of times. And, um, you know, this is such a good topic, I feel like, in the faith zone, because we're word of faith. We believe God's word. Mm -hmm. You know, he, we can have everything that he has, but, but not neglecting this. Because when we try to bury these things, they come out right. in some form. Right. The third category is things that we need to forgive the person for. Mm. And a lot of times that's kind of like, well, they're gone. You know, I'm not going to hold anything against them. I'm not going to, you know, I don't have anything I need to forgive them for. But maybe you do. Mm. You know, I forgive you for the times that you said you were going to do something and you didn't follow through. And I was really hurt by that. And I was running around and scrambling to, to get things done because you didn't step in like you said you were going to step in. I forgive you for not taking better care of yourself. Mm. I forgive you for, you know, ultimately, I forgive you for dying mm. because you've left this hole in my life that I, I don't know that I'll ever be able to heal it or mm. to resolve it. I love this. So just like you're having this conversation, obviously, and getting it all out there with somebody who's maybe passed, you know, uh, you can do this even if it's a severed relationship. It doesn't have to be that person. This Absolutely. This could be just things that you just get out. And you, and you share those things with another human being. I mean, I can't, t I mean, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of grievers now over the course of the last 30 years. And most of the time they ended up in my office because everything else that they were doing wasn't working. Mm. It wasn't until they sat down and began to go through step by step by step by step process to get complete with their loved one who had died that they began to come up out of the murky water, mm. emotional murky water, so spiritual true. murky water, yeah. and unbiased, non-judgmental, not critical, you know, nothing. I, I, I remember working with this one man who lost his wife and two of his children suddenly oh my. in an automobile accident, um, head-on collision with a cement truck. Wife and his two young children, I think they were eight and ten, mm -hmm. killed instantly. And he had the newborn baby at home. Oh. He was a mess. He was, thank God that he had 
a, a support system that was there to help him to raise this newborn baby. But he struggled with his life, trying to figure out, he stepped into the role of dad until he got to the point where he began to drink. Mm -hmm. The only thing, the baby's down for the night, the baby's fed, the baby's changed, the baby's bathed, the baby's in the crib, the baby, and he would sit and drink. And his family finally said, you need to get some help. Mm -hmm. And he ended up coming into my office and over the course of about a year and a half, he grieved the loss of his wife, his, his young son, and his young daughter. And it wasn't until he went through all of that, he walked that journey in agony at times, wondering whether or not he would ever get through it, mm -hmm. that he got through it. Wow, that's so good, you know, and I love this because a lot of times, you know, just like that became a destructive pattern in his life that he went to alcohol. If you don't deal with these things, if you don't step back and say, why am I feeling like this? Our natural response is when we go through loss or we go through trauma, whether it's a relationship, a new job, whatever that looks like, uh, is to just, I'll get through it. And, and it might, with time, you know, distance, you might feel like you're healing, but sometimes it's just a callus That's right. over that. And it's not a complete healing and it will, right. it will manifest in destructive ways in your life, maybe in another relationship or uh, maybe in, in a habit that's bad for you, whatever it is, it will manifest. So mm -hmm. stepping back and saying, you know what, I, I'm going to address this. I'm going to tend to my soul. I'm going to take a look at, and see what is causing this. I remember a, a person uh, a couple years ago, there was a, a relational separation, and this person was just kind of in a funk, and they said, I'm not usually like this. And, and so they spoke to somebody, and they said, you're actually grieving. You're grieving. Even though it wasn't a death, it was a death mm -hmm. of a relationship, and you're actually grieving through this. We actually refer to those in, in the Grief Recovery Handbook as short-term energy relieving behaviors. Wow. Think about it. Drinking, drugs, um, food, sleep. Yeah. Some people fall into deep depression, dealing with anxiety, like I said, with them, you know, if you don't get some help, you're gonna be on antidepressants the rest of your life. And, you know, you have even people who are compulsive shoppers. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people, and whether they were willing to admit it or not, have clothes in their closet that still have the tags on them yeah. that they haven't worn? You know, there was something about buying that item oh, that felt like a little bit of, I could do this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a cute outfit, only to take it home and never wear it. Um, Cleaning the house from top to bottom again, mm. like even though it doesn't need to be cleaned. These compulsive Compulsive behavior. behaviors, yeah. And, you know, mine was when my marriage fell apart in, in 2006 uh, at the time of my divorce. I mean, I slept. I would go to work. I would work all day long. I would come home and I would be putting my, getting undressed and putting my pajamas on while I was walking to the bedroom. Mm -hmm. I worked and I slept. And a lot of times we run from the emotional impact of significant loss by becoming workaholics. Mm -hmm. You know, workaholics, alcoholics, drugaholics, shopaholics. 
And those are short-term energy relieving behaviors that actually cause us to become on some level like an emotional pressure cooker. Mm where we keep all the, we keep them stuffed down, we keep them stuffed down, stuffed down, stuffed down, put on the happy face, put on the smiley face, say, I'm fine, I'm doing good, everything is good, but yet everything is not good. Mm. And you can pretend that they are, but you have a broken heart mm. and you're using information that you've got in your head to try and deal with it and it never, ever works. Wow. Okay. It never works. Those short-term energy-relieving behaviors that become th that human, that e emotional pressure cooker inside of us, the next thing you know, somebody snaps at us or somebody doesn't follow through or whatever, and we're unraveled. We're angry. We're sitting on the edge of our bed, and we're crying, and we don't even know why we're crying. Mm -hmm. But the human body is like screaming out for us to pay attention. Mm -hmm to our soul, yeah, so good. our mind, our body, our spirit. It's all encompassing when we're grieving. And if we don't take care of it, we're in jeopardy of never healing. Yeah, wow, that's so good. And one of the other things too, if I could add, yeah. is that grief is cumulative. That's good. It's cumulative in the sense that if we don't deal with the significant loss today and tomorrow there's another significant loss and six months later there's another significant loss we haven't healed from the first one we haven't healed from the second and now we're dealing with a third john james wonderful wonderful man god rest his soul he just passed away this year died of uh, of um cancers caused by uh he was in vietnam and Agent Orange died of that. But he tells his story. His father died of a heart attack, if I remember correctly. His brother died in a car accident. His baby died a couple days after birth. His marriage fell apart as a result of it. He's now in an apartment living on his own. Everything that he knew that was familiar has completely changed. And then he comes home, and he's a recovering alcoholic at the same time. Wow. He comes home one day, and his dog has died. Oh. And he lost it. He's standing on Newport Beach, I think it was, ready to take his own life. Mm. When, thank God, he stopped and thought, I can't be the only one going through this. Mm. And he obviously didn't take his own life. He went on a mission to figure out how to heal from the loss of his dog. Grief, cumulative, wow. yeah. and it was the loss of his dog that propelled him down a road to help grievers. Wow. And this is the result of it. Wow. Well, let's talk about that for a second before we wrap up today. Uh, that healing process, what advice would you give in tending to your soul? Obviously, the Lord restores and, and leaning into our relationship with the Lord. But, but speak into that healing process. Well, You gave us those three uh, you know, words of advice to, to really release and, and find closure and completeness. But what other things? Not closure. Oh, not closure. I said the bad word. Complete. Completeness. Getting yes. complete. <laughs> um, well... 
I, in my own personal life, I've used scripture and I've used prayer. Um, and it's not an easy task to balance the emotional hit that we're operating in when we're grieving and at the same time moving forward mm -hmm. in your day-to-day -day routine. Um, it's important that we allow ourselves the space and the time, you mentioned that a little bit earlier, the space and the time that we need to pay attention to our soul, mm -hmm. to our psyche, mind, spirit, soul. And I don't know of a better place to go than in the word of God mm -hmm. to find it. If you know people have a pen, they wanna jot some of these scriptures yeah. down, um, please do, you can go and, and look at them yourself. But the, the first one, Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount with 3,000, 5,000 people, out of his mouth came the words, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He knew, he knew we were going to grieve. Mm -hmm. He grieved. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Lazarus's death. He grieved. Mm -hmm. And that scripture is one that has always spoken to my heart. You are blessed, Jeannie, and I will comfort you so in the midst of your grief. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, no matter what the day delivers. Um, Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Now that is obviously a scripture of hope right. that in the when everything is said and done and we stand before God, we're not going to have to deal with this anymore. Okay. Romans 12, 2, do, and I believe this is so, so important. It sort of summarizes everything that we've covered today. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay. We need to renew our mind because all of that misinformation that we get from the people around us when we're grieving that, that suggests to us that we need to give it time, we need to grieve alone, we need to stay busy, we need to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. All of that is misinformation that is detrimental to your overall well-being. Um, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted okay. and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay. Those are the arms that I want wrapped yes, around even me. Even when you're when speaking I'm, the scripture, it's just... It's alive. It's, it's amazing. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. This process is an adjunct to our spiritual journey and our walk with the Lord, who is very, very, very clear. And his promises are yes and amen. He promises, I will heal the broken heart and bind up your wounds. Okay. 
Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last one I have is Psalm 73, uh, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I would want to say to every griever out there, if there's any of what we've said today has resonated in your spirit, know that though your flesh and your heart may fail, it is the strength of God in your heart that is your portion forever. I get choked up when I when I realize the, the enormity of the love of God for us yes. when we're falling apart. It's one thing to praise him in the midst of success and, and life and, and all of the good things that happen to us. It's another to, to praise him through the storms. Yeah. And the yeah. brokenness. And even Psalm 23, you know, where it talks about going through the valley of the shadow of death and, and not fearing any evil because he's with us. You know, even that, it doesn't just mean death. It's like a dark place. And I remember, you know, when I walked through different traumas, relationships, death, whatever it looked like, there was only places that it was just me and the Lord. Right. Even as much as my husband loves me, he couldn't go to that place with me. It was the Lord and me. Right. And, and that's such a precious moment not that you would want bad things we don't want bad things to happen to us but his closeness in those moments is uh, inexplainable tender yes so So tender i'm so glad that you joined us today on the podcast and you have so much amazing information uh, to share and just uh just talking about walking through loss of any type and really allowing that space for your soul to find healing and wholeness and and walking in that complete wholeness that the Lord wants you to walk in in every area of your life. It's accessible to you. So thanks so much for joining us today. We're praying for you if you've gone through any loss, if you're going through any brokenhearted uh, moments in your life. We're lifting you up in prayer this week and uh, praying God's best. We'll see you soon on the Joy Miller Podcast. Bye.